0: I V M
1: Welcome to the show Global Victoria Tech Talk presented by Global Victoria Inspiring Global Possibilities I'm your host for this episode, Pavan Srinath, and I'm delighted to talk to Jason Kimberley from Melbourne, Australia, about how he and his colleagues at Cool Australia are tackling two big problems in education, disengaged students and overworked and under-resourced teachers. Jason is the Managing Director of Cool Australia, a fantastic not-for-profit organization out of Melbourne, Victoria. Hi, Jason. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, Parvail. Absolute pleasure to be on your show. It's a pleasure to have you here on Global Victoria Tech Talks. And Jason, I'm just amazed by the work that you do at Cool Australia. And um, I'm not just amazed by the quality of the educational resources that Cool Australia has created over the last uh, 12 plus years, but also the reach that you've managed to achieve, not just in Australia, but I'm here increasingly in India and elsewhere as well. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong on these statistics, but uh, about 90% of Australian schools and maybe what 48% of Australian teachers use uh, resources that are created by Cool Australia. And all of this you've achieved not by being a part of government, but as a not for profit private entity doing amazing work on helping I think educators and uh, students, or learners. So, do tell us a little more about Cool Australia and what has driven you to do what you do. Well, certainly. Well, uh, it all uh, started for me
0: back in two thousand and five. Pavan, I went on a trip to Antarctica with a couple of mates of mine, uh, Jason Veal, an old school buddy, and, Pete, and uh, uh, Peter Hillary, who I've done some expeditions with. And we spent uh, three weeks at eighty degrees south. We were man hauling sleds. We had a I did a circuit of the the um, Ellsworth Ranges in the Horseshoe Valley. And uh, when I got back and was writing a book about our adventures in Antarctica, I was researching the Southern Ocean and um, about the ecology. And I was really uh, surprised to read about uh, fishermen who were coming into the Southern Ocean. They were netting krill by the boatload. The Krill was being used as an additive to put into pellets to feed cattle that were grazing on cleared Amazonian rainforest to grow hamburgers for Americans. So I thought probably didn't need another hamburger and uh, I thought that was just so wrong on all levels out of sight out of mind people are making money and uh, I wanted to um, know more about this and what was happening around the world and I discovered that there's hundreds if not thousands of similar type operations going on in land and sea and um, I thought I knew about these things but as it turned out I didn't know as much as I thought I did so I thought if I don't know who else doesn't know so I spoke to some of my teacher friends and said you know what's happening in schools? What are kids learning about our natural world, about our natural capital? And they said, look, it's very much, you know, don't do this, don't do that. And by the way, 10 easy tips to save the planet. And I thought that is just absolutely demoralising and so um, deflating for me, let alone a kid at school. So I thought there was an opportunity to speak in plain English with a sense of humour, to distill complex ideas into readily understood subjects, you know, year-level specific, subject-specific classroom lessons, and look for the English, look for the science, look for the maths. So maths can be viewed through the lens of climate change. You know, English can be um, viewed through the lens of, you know, possibly deforestation or poisoning of water um, and looking for opportunities where the students are, where the teachers are, so it doesn't become a fringe, um, you know, greeny subject or just environmental science. We make sustainability, environmental sustainability, everybody's business.
1: So when Cool Australia started, the resources that you were creating were largely focused around sustainability, or sort of had the themes of sustainability, but were on, as you said, English, mathematics, or other subjects. Sure. But now, have you expanded beyond that?
0: We have. So we, uh, after a few years, we spoke to teachers. We did lots of focus groups and research. We always ask our audience, you know, what they'd like, what they need, and they very clearly said to us, "Look, the uh, environmental sustainability will get you to a certain point in the school, and then you." a natural sort of barrier somewhere um it might be at the halfway it might be you know at 90% but if you can incorporate the three pillars of sustainability the social the economic and the environmental, you can capture the whole school. So that's what we went about doing. And we also have done lots of research and looked at other people's research on this. And um, when you can help people understand the social and the economic, they become much more um, empathetic towards the environmental as well. So you can appeal to people on three different levels. So everything we're about is sustainability of our natural world, of our economy and of our society.
1: Uh, thank you, Jason. And, you know, here in India over the last decade or, uh, or so, uh, in school education, one of the key questions that people have been uh, worrying about is learning outcomes. Yeah. And and uh, what I love about the focus that Cool Australia has uh, is uh, I think two things. One is uh, reducing uh, student disengagement, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. Yeah. The other is sort of supporting overloaded and under-resourced uh, teachers and educators, right? Yeah. So I want to go over them one by one. I, I love the idea of looking at before getting to things like learning outcomes, checking whether your student is engaged, your uh, learner in a classroom is engaged or not, and, you know, cares about what they are studying. So can you tell me about how you think about this concept, how you try to implement it in your work? Uh, sure. uh, how do you Capture something like this.
0: Okay, so we've got a few rules at uh, at core. So every lesson we make has to have a wow factor for the kid. There's got to be one thing that's a wow factor the kid can take home. So I know at school I put my hand up a lot and said, Miss, Miss, when's this ever going to do me any good? And the answer was, I don't know, you know, from the teacher, but we just have to learn it. And that was just not good enough for me. So my question to my team is no kid ever, Puts up their hand and says, "When's it ever going to do me any good? Because the kids might be studying a uh, a maths lesson and learning about ratios and integers and uh, and this sort of thing, but at the same time they'll be measuring the melt rate of the Greenland ice sheet and implications on sea level rise for the next thousand years." So that kid's are learning two things at once. They learn the math, but they're also learning about the real world around them. Everything we do is applied to the real world. We partner with lots of businesses and organisations and help them tell the stories of their successes in these areas. So everything we do is real world and everything we do has to save the teacher time and add to the quality of their teaching. So, we um, uh, have over 1,700 lessons online for teachers to come and download uh, at no cost. So, we save teachers just in Australia alone, we save teachers something like, you know, $60 million in time alone last year for saving the, the lesson preparation that they otherwise would have had to do. So, we take a conservative base and we say a lesson will take maybe five hours to create from scratch with all the research and and all of that. So, uh, we look at that and we look at the time we're saving teachers. So that's a big tick. So teachers understand that Call cool Australia offers them a, um, an instruction sheet. So we assume no knowledge on a teacher's behalf. So it's literally 0.1, 0.2, 0.3, 0.4. And if you're well versed on the subject you're teaching, you go, yeah, 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 I just come in at point ten. Um, but if you don't know anything about it, you can read it and you can become a teacher and teach that class. Even I could do it, Pavan, and, and so could you. So it's an instruction sheet that assumes no knowledge from a teacher. And in Australia, we have about 40% of our secondary teachers are teaching outside their areas of expertise. So, you know, the English teacher has to teach history or the maths teacher has to do geography or whatever it might be, because teachers at schools are trying to save money by not having all the specialist teachers. So teachers have to become all-rounders, but they're not trained to be all-rounders. So That's where COOL is a really valuable asset, particularly for those secondary school uh, teachers where they can come on and educate themselves because often the challenge of education that I've found through our experience at COOL Australia is we have to help educate the teachers first and train the teachers and lift their standards and expose them to things that they wouldn't have had the confidence to teach, whether we're looking at things like equality or racism or climate change. You know, these things can be quite um, tricky and can be quite, you know, uh, political. Politically uh, uh, sort of, um, you know, uh, enabled sometimes. And, you know, parents have got a view and everyone's got an opinion. So we really help teachers, give them the confidence to teach in areas outside their expertise and give them the tools to be able to do that.
1: Uh, That's incredible. Because I can't agree with you more that so many of these issues are so sensitive, and sometimes it's easier to not talk about it than yeah. talk about it in a responsible manner, right? Because you're, yeah. finally, you're talking to students. Yeah. You're not even talking to full-grown adults where you can take, you know, you can afford to mess up a little more, perhaps. Yes, right. Whereas here, uh, it's formative years. Sending the wrong message is is. Worse,
0: perhaps, than sending no messages, because they're going to find the information somewhere, Pavan. So they may as well get the thing, the information that's factually correct, sensitive to their year level, and scientifically accurate, so that they can uh, actually learn the uh, the reality of the world in which they live, and make their own decisions from there.
1: So while we've been talking about education and we've been talking about uh, resources for teachers and students, uh, Jason, how at Cool Australia do you look at the role of technology overall, uh, right? Playing a role in uh, education. Uh, I'm I'm also asking this because you know classroom education to an extent I would say. Uh, has broadly been the same, right? I mean, you have teacher-based learning, you have peer learning, uh, you can break away into groups, you can do a few things, but by and large, the shape and size of this has stayed roughly the same over the last century or so. Uh, So do you see technology in a way sort of enabling the classroom and, you know, making things better? Or do you also see it disrupting the classroom going forward?
0: Yeah, I I think there's there's a few things going on there. So I think um, a lot of um, uh, uh, publishers, for example, have made the mistake of um, just literally publishing their textbooks online, so there's a digital version, but it's no different to the printed version. So any opportunity for video or interactivity um, is lost. So I, I think that's been um, a, a pretty pretty ordinary from a lot of the big publishers, particularly when they first started out in edtech. It's slowly changing, but you still see a lot of just big slabs of textbooks that are just literally, you know, a, a, a PDF version online. So I don't think that. that's. That's been a great advance other than being able to have the access to it and not carry around all the books in your bag. So, you know, there's some benefits there. But I also think that, Um, a lot of in the ed tech space that a lot of the tech comes before the ed. So um, there's a lot of um, ed tech companies creating things that aren't needed, widgets and gadgets and dashboards and all sorts of stuff, which looks fancy and fabulous, but um, the actual merit and use of that, I would question. Um, And then there are some really good organisations that use the tech As it's needed, where it can make things better, and uh, use that. And I think we're sort of somewhere in between because we came first from an educational background. What we were focused on is having great educational content. We weren't so much worried about the bells and whistles, and here's a quiz, and here's a this, and go off and do these things, and draw a pretty picture on your computer screen. We were very much interested in the real hard and fast um, uh, quality education and the outcomes for teachers and students. So we've gone a bit in reverse we've put the education as number one and the tech for us is more by the way um but in the next six months we are building uh, i think our fourth website um cool 2.0 we're calling this it could be should be 4.0 but anyway 2.0 and that's going to be a uh, a really useful um tools and which we've spoken to teachers about and they want to have um you know a um a search engine within the site and uh and optimize the uh, sort of aggregation things so it'll be a, a year four maths teacher will come to the site, we'll show them their last 10 lessons that they've downloaded and we'll say, hey, as part of this sequence, there's another 15 lessons that you haven't seen yet, Teaches it like this, like that. So that sort of um, concept that some of the bigger tech players use, we'll be able to incorporate that into our website. So instead of the teachers searching for the resources, the resources will come to the teacher.
1: All right. And Jason, you're also based in Melbourne, and there's a lot of uh, exciting activity happening in Victoria, right, around edtech. You have um, organizations like Cool Australia, you have, you know, uh, startups, you have larger uh, tech companies as well. Uh, So, but I wanted to sort of ask you about... um, a subset of ed tech, uh, because you know, education tech can also involve you know large enterprise tech required for a university, for a large ecosystem, and and other things. But um, where do you think the opportunity lies in the technology part? I mean, I think we still, like you said, still need to continue working on the education part properly, but on the tech front. Tech that focuses on students, or learners, uh, educators, and parents, right? Yeah. What kind of opportunities do you see uh, for tech in in that? You know that that faces them. Yeah. Um. I, I'd love to know your thoughts on this. Sure. So a, a few things there. So last year when uh, when COVID
0: um, hit, one of our um, key funders gave us some uh, uh, some finances to go and create two hundred brand new lessons that were learn at home opportunities that parents could do at home with their kids. So for secondary school, there was some uh, about a hundred self directed lessons that the secondary students could sort of do do by themselves, but for the primary primary, Primary students who needed more help and supervision from the parents, we create a whole lot of lessons around about health and well-being and cooking weights and measures in the kitchen. So, we're teaching kids to cook. We're teaching them the maths and the science of cooking and things that they can do with their parents. So, we had um, zero parents on our database a year ago. We've now got over 10,000. So, that was uh, an example where we quickly, you know, um, shifted our focus from just for the teachers and said, what can we do? Parents are going to, you know, we I think parents at home in Australia, maybe for four or six months, you know, educating from home. And I know it's been a lot longer in, uh, in India, but we had that experience, so we are quickly able to do that. So there's also some organisations in Melbourne that we have partnered with. Um, one of them is called Maths Pathways that has got a very tight focus on maths and their run um, tech that they use to really leave no kid behind in the maths. So to your point of differentiated learning, um, the um, Maths Pathways, they're able to provide um, extension uh, lessons for each lesson, like stretch goals for the kids who are doing really well. And also if the kids who are behind, they they have got supporting lessons and they sort of take them a step back and then bring them back and catch up because their research tells them that in any math class, you might say you've got 20 kids in a class, five of them probably know as much as the teacher, if not more. There's about 10 in the middle who are sort of okay with it and there's five who've got no idea. So they set up to specifically lift the good ones, challenge them, and lift the bottom ones up to to the average in the middle. So they're a good one. Another one's a good one, Style, which is based on, um, which is very much a um, uh, science-based one. And they have um, been contracted by the Victorian government to provide secondary resources in science. And they've got a terrific website, which has got all the interactivity and we've provided some quite a bit of content for them. And there's also another one called Schoolbox that we've um, also had many conversations with and sort of trying to understand, although there's sort of competition. They're in different areas, and uh, we've also found that everyone's been very generous with their time and uh, understanding what each other organisation does and sort of trying to help. So, there's lots of platforms and different tech solutions, but I think it really comes down to keeping a really strong focus on your audience. We want the kids to get educated. We want the parents to know what's going on, and we've got to make it easy for the teachers. So, they're the three things in the audience, and you can never lose sight of the great content the time-saving, the wow factor, and of course, keeping it relevant to the national curriculum because what no teacher wants is an extra job. You know, we've got to save teachers' time, make their lives easier. I was talking to a tech company last week, and their target is to save every teacher that they work with 400 hours a year in time right with with lesson with marking with reports they do everything right so um we we, we currently save um uh, our teachers over a uh, over a million hours a, a year across you know a hundred thousand. so we so we'll probably saved them almost 100 hours already but um these guys want to save 400 hours so, i mean that's the type of thinking and that's the type of things that the tech's driving
1: that's amazing that's that's eight hours a week that's a full working day that they want to unlock wow Uh, So Jason, thank you so much. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back. In the second half, I want to talk to you a little more about uh, what enables you to create the kind of resources that you do. I want to learn a little more about the ecosystem uh, down in Melbourne, Victoria as well. So let's take a quick break on Global Victoria Tech Talks, presented by Global Victoria, the state of government of Victoria's trade agency. Explore the opportunities by contacting the Victorian Government Trade and Investment Office here in India. Global Victoria, the state government of Victoria's premier trade facilitation agency through its trade and investment offices in India, is pursuing strategic partnerships in the emerging EdTech industry here in India. Victoria has an exciting and diverse range of EdTech companies excelling in global education solutions. Victoria's strengths as a home to world-class educational institutions and a major innovation and digital technology hub underpin a thriving EdTech ecosystem, one that is expanding to meet the needs of international markets. With the largest share of EdTech companies in the ANZ EdTech 50, which includes companies from workforce and skills, learning environments, and education management analytics, Victoria is uniquely placed to support learners from around the world. Melbourne also plays host to the largest education technology exhibition in the Southern Hemisphere, Edutech International Congress and Expo. For further details, please reach out to Global Victoria's offices in Bengaluru and Mumbai. Hi Jason, welcome back to Global Victoria Tech Talk. Many people who try and use the word cool, but usually it becomes an ironic and a joke on itself and it becomes this aspiration that, you know, you're always chasing. But Cool Australia's content is really cool. I mean, I uh, tried a couple of things and it just sounded so fun and engaging and This cannot be easy to create, right? I mean, like if this was easy to create, we'd have great teachers everywhere springing out of every household. And, you know, uh, we'd see that all the time. Uh, How do you make uh, what you do? What What kind of talent does it take for you to create the kind of resources that you do. Sure.
0: Well, we've got a very talented team of um, project leads and uh, and writers. So how it works is we get a, uh, a brief on some work we're going to do and some we're going to partner with, and then the uh, the project leads will uh, will brief the, uh, the writers, and we have a well-established template of how a lesson needs to look. And before I mention you know, that wow factor that needs to be in every lesson, so it's got to save the teacher's time, it's got to engage the kids, and it's got to have that wow factor of excitement. And it must be connected to the real world. Nothing in the abstract. All real world, so kids can relate to every scenario. And uh, also importantly, we have lots of um, imagery and uh, and videos and uh, instructions attached to it, so that um, it's really um, uh, something that's going to be uh, engaging and useful and create better outcomes in schools. So we have a um, a filter that we run every lesson through that we create to ensure it's meeting those high standards and uh, unless it meets those high standards we uh, we don't accept it and we we go back and uh, and rewrite and start again or make some adjustments so we uh, I think it's our discipline to stick to those um those key principles and uh, it's got to be when we sit down we say is this a lesson I would like to teach is this a lesson I would like to be taught? And uh, when I went to a school, actually, uh, maybe about a year or so ago, I was talking to one of the teachers and the kids there. And um, I said, oh, you know, what do the kids think of our lessons? And they said, uh, let's go and ask them. So I went up to some of the children and said, what what do you think of um, the Cool Australia? They said, oh, we love the Cool Australia games. I said, we we don't do games. You know, we do lessons. The kids said, oh, no, everything's like a game. It's so much fun. You know, we really look forward to it. So when a kid comes and tells you a lesson, feel like a game you know you're exceeding because we know kids love to play and when you entertain you educate so that's one of our key planks that we always remember is when you entertain you educate and it's just got to be really clear it's it's simple it's straightforward and um we also are very conscious of not trying to make ourselves look smarter than the teachers.
1: okay and jason um how do you uh, verify or, or evaluate how these uh, resources work? I understand that you have a great quality control uh, setup. I mean, you have all these filters that pass through such that whatever comes out is fairly cooked and ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. but, but how do you try and you know source feedback from educators and from students to see, okay, is this... Uh, addressing that problem of student uh disengagement is it improving uh, that child's learning outcomes or how does that loop get closed
0: sure so we um we ask the teachers and um we uh, do a major piece of research probably every 18 months and lots of mini um you know uh, bits of research in between and some of the key takeaways we've found in the last 12 years since we started, is that teachers have noticed demonstrable behaviour change with their children after using Call Australia resources, um, particularly when we first started around our four key planks of water, waste, energy and biodiversity, those four, um, uh, and particularly parents were reporting back to teachers, my kid keeps telling me I've got too many lights on and turning off the water and <laughs> kicking me out of the shower and separating my waste. We've now got compost and worms and where's all this stuff come from? So um, uh, that was what some of our early research. And in our more recent research in the last probably five to six years, uh, teachers. we asked teachers how they feel about the resources, how they've impacted them and teachers say, which really astounded us, eight out of 10 say, I have changed my view on this topic. I have changed my view which tells us that their original information sources were poor, they hadn't fully developed or understood what was happening. And similarly with um, students, they say students are more likely to work in groups. Students are more likely to take action about things they care about. Students, and this is at a, like at eight or nine out of 10, uh, students have changed their outlook on this subject. Uh, so we ask and they report back and we're getting some really great consistent um, feedback and reporting, um, which is forming sort of a part of a a longitudinal study of sort of with call cool Australia without call cool Australia and we're trying to identify that gap what that gap means and we haven't exactly nailed that down but we do know there's a real benefit there the with call cool Australia or without call cool Australia. so um, so we ask the teachers and you know they give our feedback um, with, uh, from their perspective and from their students' perspective.
1: So Jason, uh, Cool Australia is a not-for-profit organization in the education and technology space, right? And you're seeing, I mean, like uh, we even discussed earlier, there are other companies, startups, tech companies, some with, you know, getting amazing valuations and there's a lot of money flowing into the ecosystem. So how do you see Cool Australia and sort of the advantages of working as a not-for-profit? And, you know, what kind of uh trade-offs do you see in that space you know why why is cool australia what it is
0: well our sole purpose is to advance educational outcomes that's all we're interested in we're not interested in a buyout or how our numbers might look to a potential investor we are solely interested in the social um uh, outcome that we that we can get out of kids so i think that helps us we're focused now whilst we're not for profit we're not for loss either you know we 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 run our not for profit as a business because if we don't have a surplus we can't invest into our organization and get great people and have great platforms and deliver great content. Whilst you don't have to have the um, educational background, I have no educational background other than I went to school um, and uh, less of a background in tech, so it's sort of quite an unusual place for me to be. In fact, I was recently nominated as the uh, accidental IT hero of the year last year, but in an ironic twist, I made the final and came third. But um, yeah, so we got to find the best people for the jobs. But the most important thing is the passion to turn the dial and create change. So, um, you know, we could employ, uh, you know, anyone with some good qualifications, but they've got to fit into the team. We're a small team of about uh, 12 people. And, uh, you know, we started off with... We started off with two, you know, 12 years ago and we've just kept slowly, slowly growing. So, um, you know, our um, our turnover in our first year was 200,000 and this year it'll be over 2 million. So, you know, there's a lot of um, uh, uh, work to be done to, you know, keep the doors open and keep creating the great content so the people have to be passionate they need to be committed and um you know and they got to say you know they've got to be they got to be fun and really uh, enjoy the team you know we uh, we work really hard but um you know we also um, make sure everyone gets spend plenty of time with their families and most of our team work from home. So, uh, the remote um, uh, working has been um, positive for us. People have saved a lot of time commuting and uh, are happy working at home. So, we all come to the office one day a week on a Wednesday and we all have sort of the fun, uh, uh, get together the first hour of the day and, uh, you know, make each other laugh and have some good interactive sort of bonding activities. And then uh, we go about our business and have some meetings, catch up with everything, and then we will go back to our different places. So, it's it's a good team. It's a fun team but um, you know above all it's a passionate and committed
1: team Uh, and Jason um, could you tell me a little bit about what might be some of the enabling things in Melbourne and in Victoria that help you do what you do
0: yeah so when we first started YouTube was banned in all schools right so we couldn't get into so we couldn't have video content I know, so we had to use it, which has now become, so we used Vimeo. So none of the schools knew about Vimeo, so they hadn't banned it. But YouTube, banned in all schools when we first started 12 years ago. I mean, YouTube, and that is one of the greatest learning tools, but the, the education system was so backward here, they just went, oh, YouTube, bad things on there blanket ban. So that was what we started with. And also in one of our states here in Queensland, um, we were blocked out of their network because we weren't recognised as a provider of services, et cetera. Um, so that was sort of our starting point. But now, of course, everyone embraces, you know, the video and the technology and, you know, kids are watching videos themselves. And then, you know, that self-directed learning has become a, uh, a big thing to help, you know, teachers with um, time constraints and that sort of thing. So I think the acceptance of the online and learning has been much greater over time, and I think the COVID lockdown, work from home, study from home, home learning—whatever you want to call it—last year certainly accelerated that. On the eve of the lockdown in in Victoria, we had um, we had a spike, we, we had about a two hundred percent increase in activities for two months last year because everyone's going online education. What do we do? Where do we go? And we'd been set up for ten years, of course, and we'd already we'd created those extra lessons as well for the Learn at Home opportunities for parents and students. So it's just really important, I think, to, um, you know, and for the first time in my life, I thought, We're ahead of the game. That wore off after a couple of months. So I think being able to be ready and, you know, to be able to um, move quickly when you see things coming. So I think larger organisations have to go through lots of approvals and planning and what's your strategy on this? We can just go bang and do it straight away. So we're a small operation and we can be uh, very quick with our movements and changing direction. So I think it's a great opportunity. What we've done is we've tried lots of things. We've asked teachers what works, what doesn't, how would you prefer this to be? So we really focus on you know the the UX experience um, uh, with that with our teachers and and how they want things to be and where they would expect to find things and uh, and that type of thing. So a lot of it is trial and error. We've made lots of mistakes, but thankfully we've got more things right than we've got wrong. So we can um, uh, use all that. So you know we very much think here, you we either have a win or we learn. You know it's never a loss. It's never a disaster you're learning the whole time. And, you know, that applies to everything you do in life. So we're always here to learn. Like, you know, we, we're educators, but we're always learning ourselves.
1: And, you know, I think, uh, I forget who told me this first, but they said that, you know, you need to be at the right place at the right time for certain things to happen. You can never figure out the right time. So find the right place and hang around. It will be the right time soon enough. And it always, uh, I mean, in as Horrible as the pandemic has been, when it comes to a few things like this, online education and other things, yeah, people have been trying this for a long time and people have been doing this for a long time. But suddenly, I think the upsurge in sort of attention and awareness that this is possible, this is not just possible, but this has been done. Yeah, yeah. Just, just go along for the ride. Uh, and, and I think that… Uh, has been significant across the world. Uh, So, Jason, I was also very uh, happily surprised to learn that uh, Cool Australia's second largest user base comes uh, from India. Yeah. Uh, So, uh, and I'm guessing that this is largely organic, that, that, this might have happened. Could you tell us about uh, what you've seen uh, from your Indian, you know, teachers and students or parents who might be using your resources?
0: Yeah, sure. So we have um, had a, uh, a strong following uh, in India. It's our, uh, after Australia. It's the second, our second largest uh, uh, country on as far as you know, um, people coming on and and signing up. We ran a pilot program at in three Indian schools towards the end of last year, whereby they came to our website and specifically directed by the principal to come and, uh, and have a look at our website. And they were very interested in the environmental sustainability uh, content. And um, we're working with Cisco. We're just recently given a grant by Cisco and we are going to create 50 lessons specifically tailored to match the Indian curriculums and have that as a focus for that. So the the feedback we got from the work we've currently done with the uh, Indian teachers, love your content, love your ideas, love your approach, um, but we really do need it addressed to the Indian curriculum, which we kind of knew. And in fact, I've got a couple of quotes here from, I've got two quotes here that I'll share with you from some Indian teachers. One was um, the first one, using Cool Australia boosts teacher confidence in teaching, gains more confidence in teaching action-based lessons. Also, teachers increase their knowledge of real-world issues. Overall, it is a great help to develop better teaching skills. And another teacher, as a teacher, we have lots to learn and ways to improve and attend workshops. Cool Australia has opened my eyes for teaching. So that was just a couple of, I just grabbed from the research this afternoon. So um, with that uh, pilot program, we had science English, creativity, uh, maths, some sustainability subjects. and But of most interest, as I mentioned, was the environment and sustainability topics. So the, some of the other reasons that the teachers gave us in their feedback was that we provided creative new ways to uh, teach these subjects, bringing a focus on the real world into the classroom and provide content to help with everyday life, so that was some of the feedbacks. And, uh, and so that I was got a note here that um, the uh, the teachers felt our instruction model was very closely aligned with the Indian uh, teaching practice. And the majority of teachers felt it was very important to align with the curriculum. So now with that funding from Cisco, um, before the end of this year, we will have we will start out with Indian specific lessons that will you know obviously take in the, the Indian situation and you know be culturally respectful and uh, be be looking. At uh, how we can do better in India. So that's been really exciting for us. Uh,
1: Jason, thank you so much. Uh, I learned a lot from our conversation today. And uh, I love that in our conversation today, um, in EdTech, the education was front and center. And I think that's. Yes. Technology should be serving education rather than the other way around. Yeah, correct. Uh, And I really love that that came through in our conversation. Uh, Thank you so much for joining me on Global Victoria Tech Talks. It was an absolute pleasure to have you here. Thank you, Pavan. Thank you for having me today. Thank you for joining us for the third episode of Global Victoria Tech Talks, presented by Global Victoria, inspiring global possibilities. Thank you so much for tuning in and don't forget to subscribe to the show on the IBM Podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts from.
2: I hope you enjoyed that show. If you aren't following us on social media, please do. We're IVM Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram like to thank the sponsors on the network this week, Cred and Sia. Thank you so much for making this possible. We've had an amazing week on the network. Do check out The Note with Maru Nayad. She speaks to Prabhat Kumar, the man leading child protection at one of India's leading NGOs, Save the Children. On the Habit Coach, Ashton was joined by Rajat Mittal Shah to talk about some superfoods in Ayurveda like turmeric and ashwagandha. On Pesa Vesa, host Anupam Gupta has a digital gold special in two parts one with Ashraf Rizvi, founder and CEO of Digital Swiss Gold and Gilded, and one with Deepak Abbott, co founder of India Gold. Listen to the first part of the Father's Day special of Agla Station Adulthood with Radasha and her father, Dr. Vipul Roy Rathord. You should also check out Cyrus Says' his episode with Mukul Chadda. He talks about upcoming shows Sunflower and Sherni. Our Kannada podcast, Thalya Artist celebrates 100 episodes and we had a reunion of hosts Pawan, Ganesh and Surya who shared their favorite moments from the past. Shiva Metra is back with the second season of Smile India. The show is available in both English and Hindi. On this episode, she talks about the conversion from bag teas to bagless ones and how we should ditch the plastic and have a great tea experience. And with that, I hope to see you again next week.
1: Feeling overwhelmed, anxious, struggling with too many obstacles... Don't know where your life is headed? Well, if you are dealing with one or all of these, tune into the Positively Unlimited podcast because in each episode, I share a life lesson, a life hack, a pro tip that can help you get your life back on track. All episodes are available on the IBM website, IBM Podcast app, or wherever it is
0: that you get your podcast from.